backstage passes, and zero to 60 in a super stretch limo? Yeah, that's just how we roll. You're listening to the Mousecapades Radio Network. Happy Friday, Mousecapades listeners. This is Vicki, and I'm here with Kaylee, and we are so happy you are joining us. We hope that you are all staying safe and following the social distancing laws. This is episode 505, and you are listening to the number one podcast that entertains that space between your ears, the Mousecapades podcast. Today, we are going to be reflecting on some important times in Disney history, but before we get started, we want to remind you that the Mousecapades podcast is a part of the Your Story Travel Company. At Your Story Travel Company, we can plan a magical trip for you on any budget. Well, Mom, why don't you take us back? Here we go. We're traveling backwards in time. Right now, we're leaving the world of today behind. So if your imagination is ready, here we go. It's been a while since we've done some history, so we thought we would do a history episode. And we pulled history from April up until today, April 17th. So we will be just reflecting on that, and we hope that you enjoy it. Um, I had fun researching it. It was pretty fun. So on April 1st, 1956, Disneyland had its first old-fashioned Easter parade down Main Street, USA, and when Easter, because Easter fell on April 1st, the Disneyland director of entertainment, Tommy Walker, produced a recreation, or excuse me, a recreation of an old-fashioned Easter parade. There wasn't electrical sound systems or pre-recorded soundtracks at that time, so Disney characters dancing down the parade route wasn't happening either. The parade was as close as it could be to what Main Street looked like 50 years previously. Um, the impressive display of turn-of-the-century vehicles traveling up and down the parade route was thanks to the participation of a horseless carriage club that was in California, and there was also an accent on Easter fashion where ladies dressed up to the hilt, and most of them were wearing Easter bonnets and celebratory uh, frills for that time period. So they tried to make the parade look as much like it could as when Walt Disney was a little boy in Marceline, Missouri. I'm a pants fan. (laughs) (laughs) We know you're a pants fan, okay. So on April 1st, 1960, uh, Reader's Digest printed an article, Walt Disney's $31 million playground. The article explained why Walt came up with the idea of Disneyland, and he said, I was always trying to think of a place to take my two small daughters on a Saturday or Sunday afternoon, a place where I could have fun too. At an amusement park, the only fun provided for a father, besides having his bottom dropped out from under him on the roller coaster, was the same he enjoyed all week, buying the tickets. So Walt decided to create an environment for families to go, have fun, play together, and make some memories. Walt took his childhood hometown, Marceline, Missouri, and used it as a guide for his park that would have rides, entertainment, delicious foods, and much more. And it's obviously a hit because they own like half of the world. No, they, (laughs) it just feels like they own half the world. But um, I still think that a lot of it is the way Walt intended, but unfortunately, I don't think the um, economical pricing would be where Walt would want it to be if he was still alive today. It, ugh, it just is so frustrating because I don't know, like he wanted everybody to be able, everybody to be able to enjoy it, and I feel like you have to be like the upper half of middle class to even afford it, which is horrible. Or you have to save for years and years to go. Right, we are very blessed trip. that your dad has a really good job and 
gets bonuses is the reason that we get to go so often but yeah it is um it's getting out of control but that has nothing to do with the history that's just our opinion you so, right so box um i box. left this one for you because um I, if you guys don't know this but during this nice quarantine time i bought a disney coloring book and how dare i i colored the monstrous ink page which is my daughter's favorite movie and even though it was my coloring book i colored it so um i'm letting her do this piece of history thanks on on August, August, help. <laughs> I've been like, trapped inside too long. Okay. On April 2nd, 2007, 13 years ago, wow. Monsters Inc. Laugh Floor, a Disney World attraction in Tomorrowland, opened, replacing the Circle Vision attraction, The Timekeeper. This attraction is based upon the Disney Pixar animated film Monsters Inc. and features the characters Mike Wazowski and Roz. The main theater is equipped with 400 seats and utilizes digital puppetry technology, and that's similar to Epcot's voice directed Turtle Talk with Crush. Live actors perform voices behind a large digital screen while computer-rendered monsters appear with the actors' voices. Movable cameras are used by the performers backstage to locate guests with whom they would like to interact. A Disney cast member in the theater will then take a microphone to the selected guest so that the guest can talk to the performers. If you've listened to the show before after we've done trip reports, most of the time that we go there, Brad gets picked for something. My husband Brad usually gets picked for that guy or what was the other one? The, the funny guy? The dancing one? Oh yeah, they made him stand up and dance and that is bad. <laughs> he has one move and it's bad but the funniest um, one i think was the last time we went though because this guy kept falling asleep yeah and they kept finding him when he was asleep and they kept calling him sleeping beauty yep that was really funny but um if you've never been to the monsters laugh floor you should definitely go on your next trip because it is different every time you could go four times in one day and it wouldn't be the same because the jokes are chosen from people within the audience and then the people are chosen within the audience so it makes the show different now we're going to go to april 2nd 2016 that is when lights motors action had its final performance at disney hollywood studios um as nearby locations around the streets of america closed to make way for the park's expansion of toy story land and star wars land which seems hard to believe in some ways it feels like that was longer ago than four years yeah and at the same when you're in toy story land you do not think about it being the part where that was it's i know same it's totally crazy but yeah lights motors action was a really cool show so if uh you didn't get a chance to see it i am sure that you can go on youtube and watch a video about it um it's especially cool for men and and boys i, I liked it and i know kaylee liked it but i know that it's a big deal oh, i really liked it for men and boys and if you're a herbie the love bug fan i say watch that too and you'll see why when you watch it april 3rd 1953 before we existed walt disney signs yeah. a contract that will change the face of entertainment for all time the two-page document gives walt disney incorporated the right and license to use disney's name for all commercial purposes by signing this document, Walt will make possible the Disneyland theme park and later such things on TV as the series Walt Disney Presents and the Wonderful World of Disney. Yeah, Grandma was only one at this in Yikes. 1953, so yeah, it was a while ago. But it, we're doing history, so that makes sense. I like this kind of history. April the 3rd, 1994. I wasn't even married yet. Tragedy struck 
I shouldn't be making a joke right I now. I didn't exist yet. <laughs> this is true. Tragedy strikes when the Disney president at the time, chief operating officer, was Frank Wells. He was killed in a helicopter crash during a heli-skiing expedition in Nevada's Ruby Mountains. He was 62. Um, Wells helped propel the Walt Disney Company to new success by reestablishing its leadership in animated features and by guiding it into realms of comedy and dramatic films. His death would spark the breakup between the studio chairman, Jeffrey Katzenberg, and Michael Eisner, the lead creator of DreamWorks, and a building constructed at the Walt Disney Studios to house the Disney archives was made in Wells' memory and honor. It opened in 1998, so four years after he died, they opened this building up. I thought that was really sad. Um, I, I'm sad for him because he had started all that great stuff and then he missed, he didn't get to see the fruition yeah. of it. April 4th, 1938, Life Magazine features a two-page spread, Snow White Breaks All Records, in part about Major... Marjorie. Marjorie. Oh, yeah, I can't read. Marjorie Belcher, an 18-year-old dancer from Los Angeles who aided the animators in capturing live-action movements for Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs. Belcher was the model for a real-life Snow White, enacting all the scenes of the story so the animators could study her expressions and poses. Belcher, dressed as Snow White, had taken part in the Tournament of Roses Parade last January 1st. Yeah, so I didn't realize that they did this until I was reading the piece of history. I just thought they animated Snow White. I had seen footage before, but I didn't, I don't think I ever knew who she was. Like, I just thought they used a model. But last year, as in like 2018, mm -hmm. wow, she's alive. Oh, I don't know. We'll have to check it out. Man, she'd be up there. April 5th, 1965. At the 37th Academy Awards, Julie Andrews won an Oscar for her role in Mary Poppins. She got Best Actress. The film was nominated for a total of 13 Oscars. It also won Academy Awards for the best song, Chim Chimarie. Uh, the musical score by the Sherman Brothers, film editing by Cotton Warburton, and special effects by Peter Ellenshaw, Hamilton Lusky, and Eustace Lysett. Although Mary Poppins was nominated for the Best Picture and the Best Director, Robert Stevenson, the Oscars went to My Fair Lady. Ooh, that would have been hard to be. Yeah, that would have been like quite the award night if My Fair Lady was there too. I didn't realize that. No, I didn't either until I was putting this together, but wow. April 5th, 1998. You're alive. Yay. <laughs> the Enchanted Tiki Room, under new management, a modified version of Disneyland's Enchanted Tiki Room, opens at the Magic Kingdom in Disney World. The attraction originally opened as Walt Disney's Tropical Serenade back, to, back on October 1st, 1971, and that was the park's debut. This new version features Iago and Zazu from Aladdin and the Lion King. Yeah, um, there was also a line, I took it out, but I think it's kind of funny that somebody went in the show, um, I think they thought there were real birds, and so when they were entering in the show, I guess a cast member said to them or something, it's yeah. a good thing you got a hat on because there's lots of birds in there. Oh my gosh. And uh, I, I think that the people thought that it was real birds until they got in and realized that it wasn't. They're animatronics. That's funny. But this didn't last long. What? That version. I think it only existed for a few years. That's very sad. It doesn't say how long it lasted. April 6th, 06. George Britton was the man that was hired in 1969 to run the railroad for Walt Disney World. That was his last day of work, April 6, 2006. Two years before Disney World opened, Britton was hired to restore discarded turn-of-the-century steam engines. The day that the park opened in October of 1971, they were in pristine condition, and they still are today. 
Britain was the only railroad foreman Disney World had ever had and was presented with one of the highest honors. He got a window along Main Street. That's cool. I want a window. I know. They're not like those bricks you can just buy (laughs) and put your name in the ground. I'm sure you could buy a window, but it would cost a small fortune. Yeah, no, I'll save that. April 6th, 2007, at Epcot, the Grand Fiesta Tour starring the Three Caballeros opens, replacing El Rio de Tiempo, please forgive me, I took French, which had closed (laughs) January 2nd in the Mexico Pavilion. A gentle boat ride, the attraction features Donald Duck, Jose, oh no. Carioca? Carioca, the parrot, and Panchito, I know how to say that one. (laughs) The Mexican... Charo Rooster from the 1944 Disney film, The Three Caballeros. Yeah, we sadly never got to ride. The old one. The old one. Yeah, we didn't ride that or the, oh, in Norway, what was it called? I forgot the old one. I used another name. Maelstrom? Yes, Maelstrom, before it became Frozen. Yeah, you know what was bad was, we actually had fast passes the last year that it was open. We didn't know they were closing for Frozen until after we got back from that trip and didn't ride it. And then it was like, bum, 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 we can't ride it. April the 7th, 2006, Disney World's biggest ride yet was made, and that was Expedition Everest, The Legend of the Forbidden Mountain, excuse me. A 20-story white knuckle roller coaster spin officially opened at Animal Kingdom. The ceremony of grand opening was led by the CEO at the time, Bob Iger, or still, still, sorry, and theme park chairman, Jay Rasulo. The attraction features snowy white mountain setting and an abominable snowman figure. It is currently Florida's tallest peak sculpted mount, uh, roller coaster, excuse me, from 1,800 tons of steel and covering more than six acres. Yeah, I remember when this came out because 2006, I was third or fourth grade then. <laughs> Sorry if that ages some of you. <laughs> <laughs> but I remember specifically on Disney Channel them advertising the roller coaster. Oh, I'm and sure. And that was the first time I felt that they had ever advertised for Disney World on Disney Channel. And done it before. Well, if you notice right now during the quarantine, that's what I was telling your dad. There are no... They're, yeah, they're not. It's gone. It's, yeah. Well, it's so sad. And I think that they are trying to be respectful of that because kids that wanted to go to Disney World are like the ones that got their trips canceled are not dealing well with it. Yeah. April 7th, 2011, a ceremony to officially break ground on the Shanghai Disney Resort takes place in China. The ceremony features Mickey Mouse dressed in a traditional Chinese costume, a 50-voice Shanghai children's choir, a female soloist singing in Mandarin, and traditional Chinese drum music. After the entertainment, president and CEO of the Walt Disney Company, Bob Iger, and chairman of Walt Disney Parks and Resorts, Tom Staggs, joined by Shanghai Party Secretary Yu Zhang Sheng. Oh my gosh, I'm so sorry um, if I said it wrong. And Shanghai Mayor Han Zhang to officially break ground on the project. Scheduled to open in about five years, Shanghai Disneyland will be the name of the top of the theme park itself. But the property will also have 2,000... No. Oh goodness, not 2,000, sorry. Two themed hotels. They don't have the room for that. <laughs> two themed hotels and a venue for retail, dining, and entertainment. This will be the first Disney park in mainland China, but the second within the greater China region. Wow, that's a lot of information. And they have um, a lot of great technology, which we we talked about on our ride show. So if you have not been there like we haven't, then jump on YouTube and put in Shanghai Disney and they'll pull up the rides for you. It's It's so sad that like that's 
at least it used to be when news reports were coming out that that park was not as highly attended. Like people didn't really care that it was there. And I'm like, but the stuff you have, right? we want that Your here. Your technology is amazing. Your Pirates of the Caribbean, can you send it our way? Pretty much. Right. April 8th, 1998. Disney's MGM Rock and Roller Coaster began construction and set a record, I thought this was interesting, for the largest concrete pour at Walt Disney and a Walt Disney attraction. And on that day, the Gravity Building's matte foundation was poured for Rock and Roller Coaster. Wow. Do we got any architects that listen to us? I don't know. Or contractors? Because I don't know. I looked it up and it didn't, I wanted to know, like, I wanted to give numbers and I looked at like six sites and I couldn't find anything that told the exact number. It just said it broke a record. It was really cool. I don't. That know roller coaster is a big warehouse. I don't so know if I you would... want to look at it or not because I kind of looked at it and I'm like, we ride that? Yeah. It's pretty close together. It's no, like... I don't want to see stuff in the, like, because <laughs> I hate that. Yeah, it, it kind of. Um... That's why it was scary at Christmas, if you listen to our trip report, when they had lights on for Christmas in Space Mountain, you could see a lot. And I was like, I don't want to see. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was um, very interesting when you see how that is constructed and how close everything is. Mm -hmm. April 8th, 2008, thousands of Disneyland Park guests gather around King Arthur's carousel to watch Disney's top brass dedicate a special carousel horse to legendary performer Julie Andrews. Jingles, the lead carousel horse, commemorates Andrews' service as the theme park's ambassador during its 50th anniversary. As well as her contributions to the company over the past 44 years, Andrew played the lead role in Disney's feature film, Mary Poppins. Jingles features a hand-painted colorful jewel tone palette, including embellishments of gold leaf horseshoes. A miniature one-of-a-kind replica of Jingles is also presented to Andrews on this day. Oh man. That's the horse that... That's Mrs. Disney's favorite. Yes. And it's also the horse that he put the lady from Saving Mr. Banks. Um, yeah, because he says this is Mrs. Disney's favorite. Yes. So. Um, man, she deserves no less, Miss Andrews. Yeah. Love her. Love Queen me. of Genovia forever. Lou, love Miss Julie Andrews. Mrs. Julie Andrews. April 9th, 1961, at Disneyland, Walt Disney himself dedicated the Snow White Wishing Well and Grotto adjacent to the Sleeping Beauty Castle. The guests there were told, here at Disneyland, where we have visitors from all over the world, this Disneyland Variety Club International Wishing Well is dedicated to the youngsters everywhere. And when you throw your coins into this wishing well, just remember that wishes made here at this well will really come true for the children of the world. So he was he used that money to help children around the world with hunger or whatever was necessary which I thought was a really- He didn't just take it. Which was a really cool idea. Yeah, he wasn't, he was a giver. He wasn't a taker. No, 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 I'm- And he came from a, a poor background, so- Yeah. It's amazing what all he did for people when he did get money. April 9th, 2005, Grand Marshal of the National Cherry, Mickey Mouse gets to serve this role during the Cherry Blossom Festival Parade in Washington, D.C. in 2005. So they flew him to Washington, D.C. <laughs> flew him. <laughs> they flew Mickey Mouse in on his Disney jet and he got to be the master of ceremonies or the Grand Marshal. Very cool. I thought that was cool for kids to see. Not something that you normally see because he's supposed to be in Florida or California. Very true. April the 10th, 1927, Walt Disney delivers the first Oswald the Lucky Rabbit cartoon for Papa to the distributor Charles Mintz in New York. That was a long time ago. You know what I just realized though? So Oswald the Lucky Rabbit, for people who don't know, Walt was cheated out of those rights. Now right. they've since gotten them back, obviously since Disney's such a big thing. 
but distributor Charles Mintz. Where does that name come from? What does that sound like? I, we've heard it before, but it's In Up, the bad guy's name is Charles Muntz. Oh, you're right. So I totally bet they were doing that on purpose. I bet they were. That's amazing. I didn't ever catch that. I knew the name sounded familiar. I'm pretty good with names, but especially when it's Disney. Gotta make those connections. I know. School taught me well. <laughs> April 10th, 1992, hotels at Euro Disneyland, the Disneyland Paris Hotel, Disney's Hotel New York, Disney's Newport Bay Club, Disney's Sequoia Lodge, Disney's Hotel Cheyenne, and Disney's Hotel Santa Fe takes place. That is a lot at once. The resort later named Disneyland Paris in Marne Valley, a new town in the eastern suburbs of Paris, France, will debut in two days. Here's what I thought it was interesting about the titles of those hotels. So we in Las Vegas mm-hmm. have the Paris. So they have stuff that's after us in France. That's very true. I just thought it was pretty entertaining. I don't think Vegas is the same. <laughs> no, I'm sure it's not the same, but I thought it was inter- an interesting quinky dink. April 10th, 2008. Walt Disney Pictures releases Hannah Montana, the movie starring Miley Cyrus. As Hannah Montana's popularity begins to take over her life, Miley Stewart is urging her father, Robbie Ray, which is played by Billy Ray Cyrus, to take a trip to their hometown of Corners, Tennessee, to get some perspective on... Crowley Corners, Tennessee. What did I say? Corners. Oh. (laughs) Crowley Corners, Tennessee, to get some perspective (laughs) on what matters in life the most. Rascal Flats appears in there, and they actually sing their song, Bless the Broken Road, at Grandma's birthday party on the evening of, and on their front porch, where they have the house where I dream of having with the big They also sing the song backwards. Oh, they also sing the song backwards. Yes. You should have let me do that one. Oh, my word. That is, like, the one concert I've been to in my life. Was it Hannah wasn't Montana. a concert, though. It was That was a movie. Hannah Montana and Miley Cyrus, I did go to her concert featuring the Jonas Brothers. Anybody that's my age and you went, were connected. Peace out. April 11th, 1980. To help celebrate the 25th anniversary of Disneyland, the Dapper Dans of Florida are flown in to assist their compatriot. Is that a word? Apparently. Okay. Over the next four days, both quartets perform on Main Street, one quartet working the day shift, the other working in the evening. Uh, and I didn't even realize, I mean, I guess I didn't think about it, that they'd have to have two two shifts of people. Probably. <laughs> your throat would get so sore if you sang the whole day, especially the tenor, the high tenor. But I didn't understand why they didn't have Dapper Dan's at Disneyland. They had to bring them up from Florida. That's more special. Oh, okay. I understand. Plus... Disneyland's smaller, so I don't know in terms... I mean, if you go to Disneyland, let us know. Do they have them there that now? I mean, that was a while ago. That's a Lisa's question. That's true. Hope you're listening, Lisa, you can answer our question. Yeah, it's 40 years ago, so... April the 12th, 1995. In Florida, the Polynesian's Papate Bay Veranda, opened since 1971, becomes Ohana Restaurant, featuring the world's largest fire pit. Now... If you've listened to the show at all in the last four or five years, you know that Ohana is one of our favorite places to go. So I can't imagine it being anything different. Yeah. I mean, the Ohana brunch is good, but now that we've done the dinner, the dinner is better, To, in my opinion. I think the Ohana brunch is great. Like, I'll drink that juice, like, put me on an ID. But um, <laughs> uh, the, the dinner is so good. I have never felt more pain leaving a meal. Like in the best way. <laughs> well, I um I saw the other day uh, a friend of ours that we know from kids camp 
he said, Why I think that we need to start a petition to open Disney restaurants for takeout or delivery. <laughs> he said, sign me up for those Ohana uh, pot stickers. He said, oh my gosh, I could just make a meal out of those. So good. I so, highly recommend and go when you're really hungry. Yes, make sure that you've not eaten a lot that day. The sesame noodles are amazing as well. April 12, 2018, World of Color at Disney California Adventure closes unexpectedly following reports of damage to the underwater platform that supports the fountain's light and water mist projection screens used in the show. First debuting in 2010, the show included lights, fire, lasers, and fog with high-definition projections on mist screens. It will reopen in February of 2019. Yeah, so it took it did. almost a year yeah. for, for it to be fixed and back to working order. That's not, like, Disney has a high turnaround time, and that's not high for them. I, that's yeah, long. I don't think so. April 13th, 1965, the seventh Grammy Awards are held at the Beverly Hilton. Um, best original score written for a motion picture or television show goes to composers Richard M. Sherman and Robert B. Sherman for their work on Disney's Mary Poppins. Of course. Of course. They contributed so much. Yeah, there's there's just, you know, we've done a whole show. If you've not listened to that show, you can go back and Kaylee and I did a show a couple years back on the Sherman Brothers and all their, like their and, music and stuff. Yeah, their music and then just how they got started at Disney World. It was a pretty cool story. April 13th, 2015. This is, the, I, I did this one for you. Okay. Yay. The Boathouse. Great food, waterfront dining, dream boats, located at Downtown Disney at Walt Disney World Resort, officially opens its doors. One of the new venues in the landing, the first of, floor of four planned neighborhoods as downtown Disney transitions into Disney Springs, the Boathouse is an upscale waterfront dining experience featuring spectacular floating artwork, dream boats from the 30s, 40s, and 50s. And we actually went to the Boathouse this last time. Oh, that dessert was the memorable part. Memorable part. The dessert is what you remember. It was a brownie shake. It was so good. I think I had key lime pie. I can't remember, but... I think that is what you had. It was delicious. I had a pasta. Like, it wasn't that it was bad, but you can get, like, pasta a lot of places, but that dessert was good. I don't care. That pasta was delicious. Of course, we hadn't been eating pasta, and... That's I can, true. I'm not eating pasta right now, so... I, I wasn't doing that I yet, so I was used to it. I would go for some pasta right now. Oh, me too. Why'd we talk about pasta? Um, not sure. Dang it. April 13th, 2018, Paint the Night Parade officially debuted at Disney's California Adventure after a soft opening they had the day before. A spiritual successor to the long-running Main Street Electrical Parade, which had also appeared at numerous Disney parks in several different incarnations since 1972. It features classic Disney as well as Pixar characters. The Disney California Adventure version will run until November 2018, and I don't understand. I want to fight for a nighttime parade at... Disney World because we had them and they were especially the thing I never understood is the Main Street Electrical Parade. We had that in Disney World. Then they put it in Disneyland too. Then they were like, all right, we're going to cut that here. But they had the Paint the Night Parade before us. So mm -hmm. I didn't know why they just didn't switch. I don't know. That would make sense. They so just want to make it hard on us. April 14th, 2008, legendary Disney animator Ollie Johnston passes away at age 95 in Sequim, Washington? Is that how you say it? Mm -hmm. Or Sequim? Like Joaquin Phoenix? I don't know. <laughs> the last surviving member of Walt's Nine Old Men, Johnston's 43-year career at Disney included such classic features as Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs, 
Pinocchio, Fantasia, Bambi, Three Caballeros, Song of the South, Cinderella, Alice in Wonderland, Peter Pan, The Rescuers, and The Fox and the Hound. Besides animation, he and Walt Disney also shared another passion, train. Johnston built a one-inch scale backyard railroad with three one-twelfth scale locomotives. His books with fellow Disney animator Frank Thomas, such as The Illusion of Life, have inspired a generation of animators. Yes, yeah, so he was, um, I mean, he lived a long life. He was 95. I was trying to see. So he he outlived Walt by a lot, because 2008. Yeah. And so he saw a lot of everything. And the way actually, it panned out. Right. And he was around for, like, the best parts. I feel like the last 10 years have really become a money-hungry industry. So I'm glad he got to be a part of that. Yeah, and he didn't lifetime. see it, like, go down right before he passed away. Right, exactly. April 15, 1971, on this day, the last of 337 concrete beams completed the six-mile-long monorail transportation system for Walt Disney World, which opened that October. So that was April, and then it opened in October, so they had to do all the testing and stuff. The first Martin Marietta Mark IV monorail was lowered onto the beam. Since 1969, 10 monorails have been built by Martin Marietta for Walt Disney World with a design developed by Imagineer Bob Gurr. Wow. What a cool thing, though. I just wish it went to all the parks. I know. I love the monorail, and I don't think it's a priority to update, but I do think they need to update it soon. Well, I, I think the rumor, or the rumor was before all this started, that they were going to get some new monorails. Yeah, or so like, not that they... The, the function is good, but the look is not as modern as they're going for now. Right. So, April 15th, 1983, Tokyo Disneyland opens in Japan. I did not know Tokyo Disneyland was that old. It is Disney's fourth theme park, but the first outside of the United States. A light rain moves the opening ceremony under the cover of World Bazaar, the park's equivalent to Main Street, USA. Among the attractions featured is Space Mountain, a virtual duplicate of the Anaheim, California version. Sponsored by the Coca-Cola Company of Japan, it is the first Space Mountain to open with its park. Located in Yuriyasu, just Good outside, job. thank you, just outside Tokyo, the park is operated by the Oriental Land Company under license from Disney and consists of, to all those who come to this happy place, welcome. Here you will discover enchanted lands of fantasy and adventure, yesterday and tomorrow. May Tokyo Disneyland be an eternal source of joy, laughter, inspiration, and imagination to the peoples of the world. And may this magical kingdom be an enduring symbol of the spirit of cooperation and friendship between the great nations of Japan and the United States. Good job. Thanks. Man, I just did not know Tokyo Disneyland was that old. I didn't either. I thought like all the foreign parks came like in the 2000s. I don't know. April 16th, 2001, Disney World's newest resort, Animal Kingdom Lodge, opened at 2901 Osceola Park. The six-story resort designed by renowned architect Peter Dominic features deluxe facilities and luxury suite with the feel of a South African game reserve lodge amidst a 33-acre wildlife preserve. Guests can gaze on any of more than 30 species of wildlife on display from the comfort of their own balconies. The savannas are a special area built specifically for Animal Kingdom and are separate from the nearby theme park, Disney's Animal Kingdom. And I had the privilege of staying there when I went on my mom trip and it was amazing. And I swear if before I die, I'm going to make sure you get to go and see that because coming home every day from the parks and seeing those animals outside the balcony were one of the coolest things I've ever done in my life. <laughs> Not before I die, but before you die. Yeah. You're taking me. April 16th, 2017, Disney announces that Disneyland's fleet of antique passenger trains have been converted from diesel to biofuel. 
the switch saves as much as 150,000 gallons of diesel fuel each year while potentially reducing carbon dioxide emissions by up to 80%. Wow, Disney being green. Yeah. April 17th, 2006, the Disneyland Resort 50th anniversary celebration takes to the skies over Fresno, California with a 100-foot-tall Mickey Mouse-shaped hot air balloon that said the happiest balloon on Earth. That's a large balloon. Well, they were trying to get attention so people would go to Disney World. Well, I suppose. April 17th, 2012, beginning today in Florida, Orange Bird returns to Sunshine Tree Terrace, signage and quirky drink cups in Adventureland and Magic Park. Wow, there were a lot of things that happened on this day. I know. Huh. Orange Bird was a character who was developed back in 1970. Walt Disney Productions entered into negotiations with the Florida Citrus Commission. <laughs> they have a citrus commission? Of course an, they do. That's Orange Capital. For an FCC-sponsored Walt Disney World attraction. Early in 1967, a contract was signed in October 1969. Ha! You were alive! Formalizing the FCC's underwriting of a tropical bird show at a cost of $3 million. That's a lot back then. Yeah, it is. The following year, WED Enterprises, Walt, yes, yeah. Walt Disney, okay, I got it, created the Orange Bird character to serve as the FCC's official mascot in promotional campaigns. The Orange Bird also appeared in Walt Disney World's Magic Kingdom as a walk-around character during the resort's first decade. Yeah, I want to know what happened to it, because they brought all that stuff back, all that advertising, I mean, wow. all the merch and stuff last year of the Orange Bird, because Nick got the oh. hat and everything. Yeah, I didn't know that's what it was. I just thought it was a cute bird. <laughs> yeah, it is a cute bird. Well, we would like to thank you for joining us on our little walk down Disney memory lane. And if you are interested in becoming a guest on our show, or you have a question or comment, please email us at mousecapadespodcast at gmail.com. Or if you would like to book a trip or you just want a free quote, quote, you can text me at 636-373-4497 or contact me at Vicki, V-I-C-K-I-E dot black at yourstorytravel.com. You can also check us out on our social media account, yourstorytravel.com or Facebook page, The Mousecapades Podcast. Be sure to listen to Wednesday's show as we dish the latest rumors and news. As always, thanks for listening to the number one podcast that entertains that space between your ears, the Mousecapades Podcast. Well, Kaylee, I think it's about that time. Disney love. And pixie dust. Have a magical day, my friends. <laughs>